Welcome to the TV show, a show where we talk about TV. I'm your host, Jay Black, and each week I'm joined by Philadelphia radio legends Angelo Cataldi and Rhea Hughes to discuss the best shows, latest news, and biggest controversies in television. We're in a new golden age of TV, and we're here to talk about it. So, let's get to it. And welcome back, everybody, to the TV show. Big, big day for us. Angelo found a great story that we're going to do in our second segment. Uh, I'm Jay Black, joined by Angelo Cataldi and Rhea Hughes. Hey, guys, how are you? How's everything, guys? Great. Good. Well, let's hop into the sad news of the week and get this over with, because uh, I, you know, I brought this up in the email. If you, you if you like TV at all, if you're just involved in the news at all, you know already that uh, Friends star Matthew Perry tragically uh, uh, passed away this weekend at the age of 54. And I, I wrote to you guys, I'm a Gen Xer. I am very Gen X. I, there's been many deaths over the course of Gen X that like Kurt Cobain was a was a big deal for me. I was a senior in high school when Kurt Cobain killed himself. Uh, you know, River Phoenix was a great actor. I really liked. It was sad when he died. For whatever reason, this one hit me harder than I think any celebrity death has hit me that I can remember. And I, I think it's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's hard to express to kids today how big a phenomenon friends was in 1994 when this thing was released it was the last time monoculture existed in full force and these people went from not you know bouncing around tv we all kind of knew uh who who they were uh to exploding into pop culture icons what let me start with this what are your memories of Friends, and and what are your feelings about uh, uh, Matt Perry, uh, Matthew Perry dying, uh, Rhea? So um, I woke up in the middle of the night. I guess it happened Friday into Saturday or Saturday into Sunday, and I couldn't fall back asleep. So of course I do what we all do. I grabbed my phone yes. and I went to Twitter, and I said, "Why are people offering remembrances of Matthew Perry?" And I said, "Oh no, no, he was my favorite on that show. I remember the actual moment." where I laughed out loud and said, I am a fan of the show. And I, Angelo, I used the line a million times when we did our radio show. And I don't think I ever told you where I got it from. He, It was a stupid line, but his delivery was so sarcastic and so great. He goes, three out of four dentists approve, and the fourth is about to cave. And I would use that for a lot of different reasons, whatever we were talking about. I thought the romance that they had between him and Monica was done as brilliantly as you could do between friends on a you know on a sitcom. I I just I loved him. I thought he I was always surprised that he was not the bigger star, although he had some really good movies. The whole nine yards was fun. Yep. Um but you know he had his demons which we all know about but he was my favorite. Well to me of the six that did that iconic show he had the most talent. His comedic timing was m- unbelievably great. Right. Jennifer Aniston became the biggest star, but he really had everything. And and what got me about his passing was I shocked I wasn't. I read his uh, memoir last year. Yeah. He had been a tormented soul for yeah. most of his adult life. 
And um, what what really got me about it was that um, he had everything. You, you you think about it, the, the kind of money those six stars make every week now on residuals, yeah. all the years after the show ended, he never had to do anything the rest of his life. Yeah. He could have lived the greatest of great lives, and he couldn't because inside him, this is a mental illness. And even though all indications are that he died of natural causes, I've seen this over and over and yeah. over again. When somebody has a long period where they abuse drugs or alcohol or whatever it is, sometimes even if you beat it, even if you get past it, it comes back around and gets you. The body just gives out. Exactly. Yeah. And and I don't know if it was a heart attack or whatever it was that finally uh, did him in, but um, it's just tragic because it shows you that there's no such thing as having it all. No. Because if you do, if you have all the tangible stuff, but there's something inside you that's not right, and it's gonna, it still could get you. And uh, you mentioned shocking deaths. Do you realize in one year, uh, Jay, that we we saw Bob Saget, Norm yeah. McDonald, and Chadwick Boseman? Yeah. Oh, that one. Early forties. If you want to see a great actor, young, establish himself, watch the movie 42. Yeah. He was so great in that. No one had any idea he was fighting cancer no. until he died. These yeah. things are, they become part of our family and then they're gone. Yeah. Just uh, speaking to what you were saying, my younger brother was an alcoholic and mm -hmm. he kicked it for three years and then died three years later. Um, when uh, he he's he had a problem in his intestines and his blood went septic very quickly because his liver didn't yeah. work very well yeah. anymore couldn't couldn't fix the problem so yeah stuff like that happens a lot um, and I think you you hit on a good point I think it's worse when you're you're kind of broken inside and you get everything you want because when you don't have everything you want you have a pretty good excuse why you're sad. Yeah. You just go, yeah. oh, it's because I'm not a big star yet. You become the biggest star in the world and you're still upset. I think it makes you feel worse. And uh, I, I, I'll say this. I, I need to go back for our younger listeners. You think Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things was a big deal or you think, I mean, the this is approaching, Friends approach Taylor Swift level Yes. Same. And it, not talent, Swifties, don't get mad at me. Yeah. I don't want the Swifties to come no. after me. But you you need to understand that there is a story in the book about Friends where the producers took them all to Las Vegas in no. September of 1994. And they said, we need to bring you here because this is the last time you'll ever be able to go out and not be recognized. And you know, there's a story that one of the screen, one of the writers on uh, one of the, uh, Matt, uh, Matthew Perry's failed sitcoms, uh, The Odd Couple, um, said that they went over to work on story. And they said, he said, why don't we go take a walk? And Matthew Perry was like, can't. I, I can't. Walk. Yeah. I can't go out. And, you know, I'm sorry. It's just we won't get anything done. People just come up and, and talk to me. Uh, I, I liked him in everything that he did. I was, yeah. every girlfriend I ever had tried to claim I was a Ross. I tried to explain to them that I was actually a Chandler. Um, <laughs> my wife and I still argue about this. She says I'm a Ross. I I, I fully expect uh, to be called a Chandler. Um, I liked him on Studio 60. That was a bad show, but he was good in it. I liked that show. I even liked the show, and I thought he was great in it. Yeah. 
it's a shame. It's just a tragedy. Just a real shame. And one last question I have. Did you, Angelo and Rhea, have someone similar to this? Does Matthew Perry rank up there for like deaths that celebrity deaths that hit you the hardest? Well, the one that's the one that still hits me the hardest, and you know, I am I am our British correspondent, is is uh, Princess Di, and um, that uh, one I still remember. I think that I had an Eagles game up at up at the Meadowlands, and it was back when um, you know we still had and, uh, uh, newspaper boxes, and I and I left. I I was out late the night before. I ran out and I ran in to grab a coffee, and I remember I stood there and I was like, what? Like I was so stunned by it, um, and and because I think history is repeating itself with her son Prince Harry, um, and now that everything I know that the royal family did to her, I she was so beautiful and so vibrant, and people loved her, and that one that one still bothers me to this day, and I think it's like thirty something years later. Uh, and I'll give you mine. It's not TV. It's sports. Um... I was on, this is actually in my book, Loud, which is now available at AngeloCataldi.com. Got to get the plug in. Jerome Brown. Oh, oh my God. Jerome. Oh, I was on Brown. a bus coming from Milwaukee to Chicago. We were doing a trip of the West, uh, the uh, Midwest ballparks, 1993. And um, the word somebody heard on a transistor radio, this was before cell phone, yeah. that Jerome Brown had died. And these were all Eagle fans, Phillies fans. We were doing Phillies games. The crying, the the yeah. to see the impact a famous person had on other people was just it's I'll never forget it. I, I I can't get the thought out of my head now because they loved him. He they adopted him. He was part of who they were. And then he was gone. And even when the word came out that he had been driving recklessly, there was an yeah. innocent victim and his nephew who died. There was still such a sense of loss that Jerome Brown had passed away at such a young age in the middle of his career. And that's the one, man. Celebrities dying, they leave a major imprint on the people that love them. Yep. Yeah. And just if I could just say this to the people on Twitter that were like, well, what do you care? Who, who are they to you? Thousands of people die every day. Uh, you are scum and need to stop. <laughs> They make an impact in your life. You appreciate their work, and then you're sad when they're gone. Yeah. Stop with this. Yes, it, there. Are, I'm sure you've had deaths in your family that were very painful. I didn't know those people, so I'm going to focus on people that I did know, and I'm sorry that that upset you, Twitter scum. Now, let's, let's move on to another scummy thing. Yes. Angela, you sent me this article, and I forwarded it along to you, yeah. Rhea. This is – I like, I am – incensed about this because this is it it's not a little thing yeah. that happened this is this the, we cannot have people doing this who are purported to be news organizations i'll tell you a story dame lillard had an interview that was tweeted out uh that was uh supposed to be uh, he was in his jersey that he's currently wearing yeah he got traded I mean, he went to the to the bucks so he's now a buck and he's not a blazer anymore right and they played the sixers in the opener and they beat the sixers and he was the yeah. star of the game and espn did not have any video of him discussing his move to milwaukee that's what set up this right. clip that they sent out now, why don't you tell them what ESPN did with the clip, Jay? They took a clip from 2020 that he did during the NBA bubble during COVID, and they took the soundbite and then digitally altered his jersey 
to be the ones that he's wearing currently and not the one that he was wearing in 2020. And then tweeted it out as if it were an interview that they did just recently instead of three years ago. Let me get a couple of things in here. Number one, absurd, outrageous that you would try something like that. Get the guy to talk about it. And I'm sure he'll talk about what it's like to be in Milwaukee where he wanted to be. Here's the real problem. It's the statement issued by ESPN after the fact. Listen to this and tell me if this isn't corporate BS to the max, all right? We occasionally look to connect sports moments of the past with contemporary imagery and storylines as part of our social content. While it was never our intention to misrepresent anything for fans, we recognize how this instant caused confusion. If it was not your intention to misrepresent, why did you change his uniform to Milwaukee? You are misrepresent. That is the definition of misrepresentation. It's even worse what they did. They didn't just misrepresent the fact that, you know, he didn't do this in a Bucks uniform. That interview never aired on ESPN. Yeah. It aired on TNT. Right. They changed yeah. the logo on the mics. So they, ah. in my essence, they plagiarized an interview yeah. that they never did. So to me, if I'm TNT, I'm like going, I'm suing, I, you know, but it's basically they were lazy. I mean, let's just be honest. Yes. What this was yeah. was lazy. Right. And they thought no one would notice, except in this day and age, people notice everything. It's available on internet. They digitally removed the reporter who did the yes. They digitally this just shows you that when you're looking at something now, it might not be real. That they can do whatever they want with this stuff. And ESPN, I just shame on them. You know, they do so many things now that is stupid. They're already in serious decline. Are you going to mess with your credibility? No, I got to just tell you, I am. I am disgusted with ESPN, and this latest thing is next level. This is outrageous, and the lie they sent out makes it even worse. Yeah, 100%. This is wrong. Let's be clear. This is wrong to do if you're a kid who knows how to do video editing, that if you you put something out that, you know, or it's I'm doing it as a prank or social experiment or whatever you want to do. As a news organization, this is criminal. You can't do that. Some like I don't I don't know how the First Amendment works. I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but you know, Fox had to pay $750 million for lying about right. Dominion. I'm not saying ESPN should have to pay $750 million, but they should have to pay a fine or um, something. If I'm TNT, I go after them for I don't know what is it called, intellectual appropriate. Yeah. They, yeah. they literally stole yeah. an interview and, and zeroed out their mic. I'm like, that's insane. Right. And don't tell me it didn't air on the network. It was just on your socials. Everything is of a piece if you're a news organization. If the person who runs the New York Times Twitter account starts posting nudes, you know, nobody's going to go like, well, it was only on their social. They're going to be upset at the New York Times and rightfully so. So this is criminal and and terrible. And it should be a bigger story than it is. Uh, you know, the but I guess it's it's kind of hard to get people incensed the way they should be sometimes. All right, let's switch to a subject that nobody gets incensed about. They get excited <laughs> about the most popular segment in all of podcasting, Rhea Hughes' British Corner. What do you got for us this week, Rhea? I am super excited about this show. 
It's called Tropo. It's T-R-O-P-P-O. It's a Australian show. And what Tropo is slang in Australia for when people go crazy in the tropical heat. So they say, oh, you're oh. going Tropo. Instead of you going loco, you're going Tropo. So, and and I will tell you this disclaimer, because Angela, I know how you feel about it. It's on Amazon Freebie. So it does have the commercials, but I had been reading about this, um, about this show, how good it was. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna do there's not a lot of commercials. So I, I will just say there are commercials, they're not long, so it won't bother you. But it's an Australian mystery set in the outback of Queensland, and it's super hot. I will just this, I'm not giving anything away about the story. It opens with a tour boat going down a river where they're looking to spot the big alligator, the big one. And a guy in his tidy whiteies jumps off a dock and commits suicide by crocodile. I am not lying to you. That's what I said. Suicide by crocodile. It's very gory. I will just let you know if you want to kind of be prepared and turn your eyes away. It's pretty gory, but it's this crocodile is kind of integral to the whole story. So basically, um, it's about two detectives uh, or private investigator, Amanda, and then a former cop, Tom, uh, yeah, Ted. He's actually an American. So that, that was kind of interesting. They're investigating uh, the, the disappearance of a Korean family man at the behest of his wife. He's just gone missing. Very high tech guy. They had a lot of money. And it's a different kind of police procedural in that, you know, you always get the, the duo, the guys, the hard ass ones. The woman, the, the private detective, Amanda, shaved head, tattoos all over. She's a real hard ass. Ted is like the sensitive one early on. He adopts a goose and, yeah. you know, the, her little babies and, and takes care of him. He's a little bit more sensitive. Both are carrying a tremendous amount of baggage, which adds to the story. But I am, uh, it's eight episodes. I'm four episodes in. And I love it. It's it, I absolutely love it. Sometime, Rhea, could you uh, address the issue? Because I have really become addicted to Australian television. So good. Because of Wentworth. Check it yes, out. Yes, I know. But uh, Rhea, here's the thing. Is it better than British? Check that out some week. Because they got some yeah. same kind of accent. They got some great stuff. Great stuff yeah. on Australian television. It's really good. Deadlock is one of my yeah. all-time favorite shows. Yeah. And great yeah. actors come from Australia. I mean, we know them all. You know, Nicole Kidman. Uh, you know, there's there's a whole boatload of them. So Margot Robbie, yeah. right? Yeah. A lot of good ones. You're right. Absolutely. The Hemsworths. So I highly recommend it. You will be entertained. If, if I may say, there's better ways to kill yourself. I mean, I, I, I've never been tropo, <laughs> but I have to imagine even a machete is better because- you know, alligator. Maybe you you don't die right away. You know, maybe you're like dragged back to the alligator. It's really gory. That's all I will say. I'm just warning people. The opening five minutes is a little rough to get through. You realize more people will watch it now that you said. That. I know. <laughs> uh, and what do you have for us on Team Corner this week, Rick? Okay, this was kind of funny. So last weekend, my son, had, a 14 year old son, has a way more active lifestyle sure. than I do. We normally watch something you know, on a, on a Saturday afternoon, but he had several birthday parties this weekend. So he watched um, Avengers Endgame. So it's the one that mm -hmm. came after Avengers Infinity. And I know uh, you and I, Jay, had talked about that Jared made post when he, when he uh, posts this up, uh, our show, the text message exchange I had with my son this morning, I said, 
dude, you got to give me, you know, the information on the show you watch so I can put it in teen corner. And he said, um, can we do Avengers infinity? And I said, didn't I hate that movie? Didn't we go to the movie theater? And he goes, yes, you did hate it because everybody died in it. I said, it was the single most depressing movie I'd ever seen. So he said, how about Avengers Endgame? And I said, does everybody die in that? And he goes, no, they're actually not dead in this one. So it's it's almost like the Dallas episode where, uh, you know, the guy goes into dream. the shower and yep. it was all a dream. <laughs> so um, he loves it. And it did really well. Avengers Endgame is basically where all of the superheroes come back and they're able to revive them. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. It made almost $3 billion. Yeah. He loved it. And he said he wants, we actually are going to sit down. He wants to watch it again. But uh, he said he wants me to watch it because I maybe won't hate Avengers Infinity as much. And I said, no, I seriously was depressed after watching it. This one he loved. He said the the, the visuals, everything. And Jay, I'm sure you've oh, seen it. When I, Dorian, two things I'll say about this. Number one, when I saw this in the theater, it was the best thing when there's a moment at the end when they finally say Avengers Assemble, where the whole theater goes crazy. And I'm not going to lie, during the worst parts of the pandemic, to when I was feeling the saddest, I would look at the videos that people had taken. Because it's, it's a whole subgenre on YouTube of people recording that moment at, uh, at the Avengers Assemble moment during Endgame. That was my like pick-me-up when I was feeling sad. And the second thing I'll say is, Rhea, I'm getting up to an age now where like I can't I don't know pop culture very well. Yeah. And Halloween was yesterday and I went to yeah. my daughter's Halloween parade and I kind of feel like you did with Infinity War Endgame. People walking by I'm like, "What are you? I don't know what you are. What are you?" And like, "Oh, it's from Fortnite." Oh, all right. Well, what are you? And it's yeah. like some cartoon show I've never heard of or an anime. It's like just be like a well, Clark was Kyle from South Park. So I was very happy about that. I'm like, "I love that my son is into South Park." Because I love South Park when I was, you know, when I was younger. Rhea, where can people see Avengers and? Oh, so that is available in several places. He told me it's available on Apple, uh, Apple TV, Disney Plus, and Prime. All right. And Angela, what is your uh, uh, review this week? What do you got? I'm finding more and more that I'm getting mediocre stories that are given life by a brilliant performance. I'm seeing this a lot lately. And there's one now that just came out on Netflix. Netflix has become the opioid crisis. Uh, oh, yes. It just did Painkiller with Matthew Broderick. Now they have Pain Hustlers with Emily Blunt. I knew you would love that movie. I, because you know I love Emily Blunt. You love her. Right? And uh, Emily Blunt in this movie. This the first half of the movie's good. All right. It's when she's kind of she she starts as a stripper. All right. Uh, well, of course she's no, no, it. no, no. But Rhea, does she strip in the movie? Gonna, does she strip? She's on the pole. <laughs> Rhea, she never strips. She she doesn't even twirl. You could tell that when they wrote the contract up for her to do this movie. She was going to stand up there with full, I mean, she had like a bikini on. And that she was never going to do anything provocative. She did not. However, she then steals the movie. She is so good in this movie. You've got to see her to believe. And she's got help. 
Uh, Chris Evans is in it. He's he's oh, really good. he's sleazy. He's best when he's sleazy. Andy Garcia. Oh, yeah, we know. He's a great. We did meet him. He came into our show one time. Kathy Moriarty is in it from Shit Creek. It is a terrific cast. The second half is not great. I'm not going to tell you it's a great movie by any means. But if Emily Blunt, if this was a better script, Emily Blunt would get an Academy Award nomination for this performance. She'll probably still get it for Oppenheimer. She's way better in this than she is in Oppenheimer. Wow. But the movie itself is okay. You want to see a great performance. You watch Emily Blunt in Pain Hustlers on Netflix. Is Angela just uh, plot wise? Is it a retelling of like the, no. the Sacklers, or is this sort of like a street level? It's a different story. Okay. It's a different aspect of it. It's actually a story of a guy named Kippur and Unisys, and they had their own nasal product that used the opioids. Wow. So it was a different story, but it's the same track. Gotcha. She's still trying to convince doctors to use this so that they can make money. That part of it was the same. But she's just, she ate this thing up. She was great. She, she eats up everything she's in. Has she ever been bad in anything, Ray? No. Is she, the, no. is she the one married to the office guy, John Krasinski? Yes. Yeah, John, John Krasinski. Are they just trying she, to create a race of super people? Is that what's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She is really talented, and you will see it in this movie. Yeah. Clark is kind of related to John Krasinski by marriage. Did I ever tell you no. this? No. So Clark's father's sister is married to John Krasinski's first cousin. I think the mothers are sisters. And they lived in Manhattan. And when he was trying to break in, he basically lived on their couch for like six months. Wow. Wow. Oh, so there you go. If they get invited anywhere, could I be the plus one? <laughs> I would like to I would like to meet Emily. It, it reminds me. Yeah, I don't think my so. father's uh, wife, my stepmom, my father's wife, her nephew is Joe Flacco. Uh, well, still is Joe Flacco. Uh, wow! <laughs> they don't yeah. take that away from you just because he was terrible with the and he was coming on and doing great uh just as my comedy career was starting and i remember it was like hey i just got on showtime and it's like oh yeah well joe flacco just won a super bowl and it's like all right i'll go sit over there that's i i probably shouldn't bring up my comedy uh so uh let's I, stay with netflix for a second i sent this over to you i just want to hit on this quickly there's two movies that are I, I I consider big movies, but I'm conceiving of them differently because of how they're being released. One is Killer of the Flower Killers of the Flower Moon, which is the new Martin Scorsese movie that is currently in theaters. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, and uh, Robert De Niro, and I think of this as a theatrical movie. And to my mind, it is a big deal movie, and I cannot wait to see it this weekend. Uh, it will go on Apple Plus eventually. They haven't said when. The other movie is The Hitman, which is the new David Fincher movie, which is coming out on Netflix November 10th. Now, they are doing a very cursory release in theaters like Netflix does, where they're just releasing it so it can get its uh, Academy Award uh, uh, eligibility. I don't think of that as a theatrical movie. I think of that as a Netflix movie because it's, I don't even know where I can go see it near me, whereas I know where I can see Killers of Flower Moon. I'm bringing all this up because these are two big movies by two of the biggest directors of our time, and one of them feels like an event and the other feels like a TV movie. And I think I can't get out of the mindset because of when I grew up, 
of TV movies are not as big a deal as theatrical movies. It's just the way it is. And I, my question to you guys in the email is, do you feel the same way? Or are you at the point where it's all content and it doesn't matter if it's good, it's good. Theatrical TV doesn't matter to you. Andrew, you were shaking your head. You, uh, it's it's all content to me now. I've been to the movies three times in the in the last five years. Wow. Now, yeah, the, the pandemic was part of it. Yeah. I saw Air, the uh, the right. Air Joy movie. With, that was good. Oppenheimer, at your insistence, yes. it was really good. And I saw the one where the um, great actress was nude. Jennifer Lawrence. Um, no, no hard feelings. I, was I just felt it would be better in a big screen. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, it's all content to me. In fact, I won't. What I realized with this, uh, this um, Scorsese movie that's coming out, yeah, I won't even watch it at home because it's too long. <laughs> I won't watch it, yeah. but I watched the trailer to The Hitman, yeah, uh, or The Killer, whatever you I, I'm not sure what it was called, but anyway, uh, oh, The Killer, David, The Killer. Sorry, it was based on a comic book called The Hitman, The Killer. The fit, the David Fincher did seven Fight Club, Club Mank. Social Network, Benjamin Button. The guy's a machine. Yeah. I will watch him more than I would watch Scorsese, and I will watch The Killer. I think it's going to be really good, and I don't care where it is anymore. If it's great, I might go to the theater, but probably I'll wait till it comes out at home. I'm with Angelo on that. You know, to me, content is content. I watch everything. I, I only go to the movies with my son. He likes, you know, uh, and if Spider-Man comes out with a new movie, he and I will go to the movies for that because we both love Spider-Man and that's what we'll do. But otherwise, for me, I enjoy that I'm I'm at home. Yeah. I'm sitting with my dog. I got a glass of wine. You know, I don't I don't need that. I got a big screen TV. I don't have Angelo's 80 inch screen TV. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm fine with with watching stuff at home. I enjoy it just as much. Uh, do you like even during a show like this, might you have a glass of wine with you? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. She drank half of it. We're pleading this woman to drink, Jack. No, I see. I see. I, I like my white wine very cold, so okay. I don't fill it up. All right. I fill it up just to a little bit about. I've taken a couple sips, but okay. I like it cold and I'll go back and hit it cold. I prefer what they call a long pour. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, what we get let me give you what we got. All right. Uh, you could see uh, all of the Friends. Friends is everywhere, by the way, on subscription. You could see Friends and the great work of Matthew uh, Perry on Hulu, Max, Amazon. They're all streaming it right now. Uh, ESPN, I would say don't watch it because you have to beware they are not honest. Uh, if you're looking for a great Australian show, Rhea recommends Tropo on Amazon Freebie, Avengers Endgame is recommended by Clark Cone, her son, who's 14. That's on Apple Plus and Disney and on Amazon Prime. Pain Hustlers is on Netflix. Emily Blunt, phenomenal. And The Killer will soon be on November 10th. will be on Netflix, and that looks like a winner. Absolutely. And you can get Angela Cataldi's book at AngelaCataldi.com. Loud. You don't have it. You know, you got to look it up. with me. I don't have it. Can I, Ange, can I mention, yeah. can we give a little plug yeah. that you're going to be hitting your old stomping grounds next week? Next Wednesday at 9 a.m., I will be on the old, my old WIP morning show, which is new now. The only carryover is our producer, Joe Wechter, and the amazing Rhea Hughes. Wow. And Rhea, I'm very much looking forward to that. It's 
It's going to be. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Very strange to be back at the old stomping grounds. Guys, you have to go to AngelaCataldi.com and buy the book. If you do, Angela, are you still uh, personalizing it if you buy through the website? Including profanities if necessary. Yeah. If you are a Philly sports fan and you uh, have listened to Angela Cataldi, that is a Christmas gift that needs to go out. It needs to be under the tree. I will be getting it for our super fan, uh, Louise Bonacore, who is our super fan. She's really Angela Cataldi and Reese Hughes' super well, fan true. from the radio, and she uh, she loves listening. So uh, I will be definitely getting that. AngelaCataldi.com. Guys, Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Jared Clapper, who's got a lot of video work he has to do on this one. And uh, we'll be back next week for more TV Talk. this episode of the tv show if you did please like subscribe and review us on itunes it'll help people find the show also please follow me on twitter at jblack is funny you can send me suggestions and comments about the show there even mean ones i'm an any attention is good attention kind of guy we'll see you next week with another episode